Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And hey, we're right on time. I promised you guys that we would start at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I'm a man of my word. And we are starting at 10 p.m., 1 p.m., excuse me, 10 a.m., 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Neil, what's happening over there on the East Coast? Oh, you know, it, uh, it, it, the weather's improving. So it, it's kind of a daily battle um, every day. You don't know exactly what you're going to get. But um, I always find that that's very similar to the NFL season that we're currently in. We're not sure what we're getting. Um, I know that North Dakota State somehow lost to South Dakota State yesterday, um, failing to give the buys in yet another conference championship in the weird spring season that they're having. We don't need to get into that, though. It's a, a gorgeous day in Pittsburgh for now. It's supposed to rain a little bit later, but uh, all's yeah, good my- here, man. My daughter is, uh, is, is attends Smith University or Smith College up in Northampton, Massachusetts, and I believe it snowed on Friday. Oh, man. But on, on this particular show, the title of the show is, with the 24th pick in the 2021 draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select. And we're going to use and, and break down this draft pick based on some of the things we talked about over the past few weeks. But before we jump into that, I want to let everybody know You can find the podcast on any podcast platform. Do a search for The New Standard with my name in your search criteria, Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. And you can find the show on YouTube by doing the same. Do a search for The New Standard and look for it and combine it with Lance Williams or Neil Kulong. Like the show and please subscribe to the show. Before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to one of my long-term listeners, Felicia Hey, Felicia. So if you're out there, Felicia, listening to the show, big up to Felicia. Felicia knows who she is. She's a longtime listener. I'm sure she will support the show. But before we jump into how we're going to break down how we think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to select their number one overall draft pick. And I'm going to make let uh, Neil do the selection because you guys know I don't like college football. So I'm going to let Neil make the pick, but we're going to give the criteria. But on last week's show, we talked about how Jarvis Jones impacted how the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted after him and the different measurements and metrics that they used to do that. And so we talked a lot about Spark or RAS, Relative Athletic Score, last week and how athleticism factors into what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing when they make their first round pick. Now, we're not suggesting that they're using Spark or they're using RAS, Real Athletic Score, specifically because we don't know that. But we do have an idea that they're using some type of athletic measurement when they factor in that first draft pick. So let me give you the RAS score for draft picks from Jarvis Jones, their first selection in the draft from Jarvis Jones to Chase Claypool. And after I give you these numbers, I want you to comment briefly on it, Neil. Jarvis Jones was a 2.58. Now, this is out of 10. So clearly, if you get 2 out of 10, it's a failing athletic grade. Jarvis Jones, athletically, his RAS score was 2.58. Shazier, 9.88. Bud Dupree, 9.47. Artie Burns, 5. T.J. Watt, 9.92. Terrell Edmonds, 9.89. Devin Bush, 9.33. Chase Claypool, 9.98. So you can see, based on this relative athletic measurement, the Steelers are getting and selecting with their number one overall draft pick superior athletes. And let me just give you, and let's just, I'm going to look back in the history. And when we talked about it a little bit yesterday, Neil, just to give a little reference, Rod Woodson's RAS score was 10 out of 10. That just that just shows you what athleticism means to your ability to play football. So, Neil, comment on those RAS scores real briefly and how that ties into what we talked about last week. What I think is, is really interesting is if you go back and look at those scores, kind of the way that, that uh, you just did, Lance, uh, to me – most of them fit very closely with what we saw on the field. Now, I want to preface this by saying these scores are being generated from uh, combine pro day measurements. They're not indicating the guy's ability on the field. For example, uh, Troy Polamalu, as I believe, was was seven something, uh, which isn't bad. 
it, it's not Terrell Edmonds. But the, the real difference you're going to see in a lot of them, if it doesn't quite feel right, is Troy Polamalu, for example, is a, a, an excellent example of a player who, when he's running in a straight line without something to destroy in front of him, he doesn't move as fast as when he sees live game on the field. Uh, a completely different player. And his film bears that out without a question. Um, I would imagine Juju Smith-Schuster would not have scored all that high. Uh, it, when he tested, he was 20 years old. By the end of his first season, you saw a much better athlete. I think he continued to grow. I think he continued to mature. So there are examples in which it might not exactly fit, but Jarvis Jones, that's not a surprise. That should not have been a surprise to anybody. He was a, a substandard athlete, both in film and in, in uh, combine testing. Uh, pro day testing, whichever one that he did, I forget. Uh, a, a, a player like Ryan Shazier is one of the most athletic guys I've ever seen in college. Uh, his score was very high. Bud Dupree, I, I've always called Bud the Olympian. There are very few people on earth who move the way he does at the size he is. Uh, Chase Claypool, very similar to that. An incredible athlete for his size. These all bear uh, a, a striking resemblance to what we have seen on the field. It doesn't necessarily say that they're the greatest football players we've ever seen. Um, Dupree is an excellent example of that, being that Dupree was really raw when he started off. He was not a complete football player. He was drafted at 24 overall, despite being a complete and total freak athlete uh, because of his film, which wasn't good. I'll be honest, it, it took him a bit to, to warm up into an NFL player. Uh, T.J. Watt, I think, is a very interesting example, um, and it's also a lesson of why dominant edge athletes are not going to be drafted 30 overall anymore. You, you look at him play, he's the athlete you knew he was. He just, he just needed some polish. Mike Tomlin said something after Watt was drafted that's always stuck with me. I think it was a great way to describe uh, Watt at that point in his career. Watt wasn't raw. He was inexperienced. He did not have a high number of snaps in college, but his athleticism was was obvious. Anything that he did, you could see that he was a great athlete. The question is, who has the time available at that point to develop that position? The Steelers absolutely did, and they got a, a steal. I mean, that that's legit one of the best 30th overall picks in NFL history. You're not going to find defensive players of the year um, in, in that fashion often, certainly not anymore. So the Steelers using this as either a primary function or a weed-out function, or both, indicates their emphasis on athleticism moving into the draft. And they have clearly done that, I don't think it's by coincidence, since the Jarvis Jones disaster, which for the life of me, I, I, I was shocked on draft night, even though all speculation said they were going to take him. My thought was simply, you watch the guy play, he, he's a product of uh, effort. He's a product of, of fifth-year experience. He's a product of a, a multiple games in which he was going up against freshman tackles. His numbers were not uh, uh, outstanding. He was a great college player. He's not going to be a pro, and everybody should have been able to see that. To waste 17 overall on a non-athlete, it, it can't happen today. And clearly yeah. something changed because of that, because they've gone athlete pretty much ever since. Let me correct you on, on, on one thing. Troy Palomalo's RAS or RAS was 9.24. So oh, it was a so it was a well, lead, obviously everything... he tested really well and ignore everything else I said. <laughs> let me give you let me oh, break gosh. it down for Troy real quick. His 40 was 4.35. His 20 yard split was 2.54, which was 10 for both metrics in the RAS score. And his 10 yard split was 1.52, which was 9.89. Where Troy got dinged was his size. He was short for the position and he was light for the position. And that's what we talked about last week as well, how RAS and these type of scores are going to also weight in terms of height. When you combine height, weight, and speed together, that's when you get that ridiculous, freakish athletic guy who's big, fast, strong, all of that combined. Well, since you got it in front of you, pull up Claypool then. I'm, I'm curious about his weight more than anything. I have, I have a point to, to dovetail off of that. Um, with Claypool... My issue with him wasn't the Steelers taking him in the second round. You, you saw an excellent athlete, but you saw a very one-dimensional athlete when he was in college. He didn't have great film of short stuff. He didn't run the underneath stuff. Uh, he certainly didn't do end-arounds the way the Steelers ran him in his first year. A big part of that was the fact that when you when you saw him at first on the field, he was like half the size he was in college. 
they cut weight on him tremendously right away. That was kind of my fear uh, with him, it, with with a, an offseason that didn't have direct coaching. Was he going to develop into the player that they drafted him to be? And he was was much further along in his development than I thought he would be right away. A huge component to that, in my mind, was him cutting what had to have been at least 15 pounds, if not 20 pounds. He was a much lighter player, and he was much more agile. He was much quicker, and he had a much uh, a deeper uh, route tree than he had than he had run uh, in, in college. I think a huge part of that was his weight. So if, if you look at it, and he was a, a monster as far as RIS is concerned. Um, let, me give I, you, let me give you these numbers, Neil. Let me give you the numbers. His weight. So interestingly enough, with the 9.98 RAS score, which is 9.98 out of 10, he was elite or great in every metric. So his weight at the time was 238, which put him at a 9.95 in terms of RAS. Height was 6'4 and, and two inches, six foot four and two, I don't know how he six foot four, big. two, whatever. <laughs> yeah, big. His bench was 19 on the bench. So every metric by which relative athletic score is measured, Chase Claypool was elite. Yeah, and I, I don't have an issue with I think that that 6'4, 238, I, I understand how big Calvin Johnson was. Um Chase Claypool absolutely did not play at 238 pounds last year. He absolutely did not. Don't don't tell me that he did. He might have been maybe 225. They cut a lot away from him. He got a lot faster. So, you know, maybe maybe that's something we can do. We can have the the, the founder of RAS on sometime to ask him those kinds of questions. I'm curious what the, the top is as far as weight for a receiver goes. Elite at 238 pounds doesn't seem right to me. Um with the, the speed that he ran, maybe, but he was a lot faster as a pro uh, when he was lighter. And I, I think that that's a, a reasonable assumption that lighter guys tend to be faster than heavier guys. So I, it, there, there's value in it overall. I don't want to be too literal with it, which is why it's interesting. It goes down to the the, the hundredth percentile point. I, I, we don't need 9.98 any more than we need six point. You know, he's, he's six foot four and five eighths of an inch. He's big. He's a good athlete. We get yeah. that from nine anything in, in, in a metric like like that. Yeah, you just need to get to the green. So let's jump into it. That was a little bit longer than we wanted to go, but that's basically what we talked about last week. And it's it's very important in terms of how we're going to get to this first round draft pick. Now, let's talk about the buckets and overall needs. Rank the needs. I think you gave me your needs as running back inside um, inside interior offensive line cornerback and linebacker as your needs rank those for me for me uh i think uh player agnostic i think the biggest need they're going to have is a center because they need a starting center right now they, they don't have one that they can really count on certainly not beyond this season running back comes very closely behind that in, in part uh because i i have a tough time with the first round pick use on a running back for what the offense, uh, it, 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 when it's at its best, the running back should have three down value. Um, I, I want to remain player agnostic. I'm not 100% sure you're getting a great three down back in this draft, but they need one because they don't even have a James Conner anymore. What they have is is simply not good enough. They need an upgrade at that position. Um, in, in round agnostic, player agnostic, I, I think it's absolutely a need. And cornerback, you lost two of them. And you, you maintain Cam Sutton, which is nice, but you didn't give him a long deal. You have Hayden for one more year. Uh, they might have to take two cornerbacks in this draft. So I absolutely think that's on the board as well. Um, inside linebacker, again, because of the, the lack of depth uh, at the position, um, I would add kind of an honorable mention. They're, they're probably going to walk out of this draft with a tackle at some point. It's just they don't draft tackles in the first round. They haven't, Lance, I think, since you got your driver's license or something. Jermaine know, Stevens. Jermaine yeah, Stevens. 96, I want to say that was. A considerably long time ago. We, we used to make a huge thing about how the Steelers never drafted a cornerback in round one. They haven't drafted a tackle in even longer, and nobody talks about that at all because they typically have good tackles. They, they develop the position well. That That's their philosophy. Uh, I don't think that's going to change this year, but um, for, for they have a lot of needs. I think the biggest, though, for me is center, followed very, very closely by running back. Before I give you my thoughts on those positions and in your comments, what's your thought on uh, the resigning of Vince Williams? And, and my thought on Twitter, and I put this on Twitter, was I didn't have an issue with it because it's one year. 
And I don't think it changes the whole aspect of sexy tanking. I think the Steelers, like we discussed on earlier episodes, firmly realize that they only have about 22, 23 players under contract, and they're going to use that opportunity to rebuild this entire roster moving next year. So I think it's it, it supports sexy tanking, where it's it's one of those moves where you know it, it convinces the fan base that you're really trying to be competitive, but in all actuality, they really know what it is for this year, and they're really trying to set everything up for next year and keep keep the cupboard pretty much bare so they can rebuild this roster. Let's just take nameplates off of it. Let's look at it objectively. Linebacker, call him linebacker two, because he, he's second to, to Devin Bush. Linebacker two could not be on this roster at a salary cap hit of $7 million, a, a salary of three and a half or something like that. There's no way he was going to stay for that amount. More than likely what happened, they asked linebacker two to take a pay cut. Linebacker two says, no, cut me. I'll go find whatever out in free agency. They have an agreement to say, okay, go take a look. This is our offer. If if that's if that works for you, we'll we'll keep a spot open for you. You can come back after this. But yeah, we're going to release you. We don't want to pay you at that salary. We want to pay you at this salary. Linebacker two went out in the market for a couple of weeks, didn't find what he wanted, and signed back with the original team. That is basically the same thing as saying, okay, well, we're cutting you because we need to pay somebody else less, and then going out and hiring, it, 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 uh, signing some random player to come in at the same salary. The only difference that people are making a, 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 a real issue of this is the fact that it's Vince Williams. I like Vince Williams. I think Vince Williams is a solid player. I, I think you can, as a defense, compete with a guy like that. Uh, when he had the the bulk in front of him, um, when, when Alualu was healthy and you had Hayward and Tuit up there, he was making tackles for loss like they were going out of style. I mean, it, it, he, he did his job well. It's a smart idea to retain him. It's not going to be the difference between a Super Bowl champion and a non-playoff team. But more than likely, I, I haven't seen it, but more than likely for, for what he's now getting paid, they save money to bring the same player back that they would have had to replace anyway. So really, it, it's it, it's a fine move for the Steelers. What's being made an issue is the fact that it's Vince Williams. He's a very popular player. Um, he's a fun guy to follow on Twitter. Uh, you love his heart. You love his intensity. You love his makeup. He's been around the Steelers for a long time now. I really appreciate rooting for guys like that. I, I enjoy people like Vince Williams. From a business perspective, he's kind of a cog in, in what they're trying to do anyway. So it, it to me, it's solid enough of a move, but this isn't really changing much. They just save some money at a fungible position that they're looking to probably uh, upgrade within the next year or two anyway. Because I'm getting older in age, I'm trying to, to quickly look through uh, what his salary cap is. Do you know what his cap hit is? Not now, no. I haven't even seen his salary yet. I don't know what they they agreed on in this latest deal, but he was he was over seven uh, when they cut him. Yeah, I went to over the cap real quick while you were talking. I can't see it because I have fifty year old eyes, and so <laughs> I can't I can't locate stuff really quickly. But I mean, look, it's sexy tanking. I mean, it's Vince Williams. It's sexy tanking. It is what it is. So now that we have uh, the different buckets, and I would agree pretty much with everything you said. I do think center. Um, is more of a priority than running back because you look at the Steelers' history. I mean, you look at the the, the centers that they've drafted. The Steelers want to build in the interior inside the numbers. They want to build up the middle. They want to be strong in the interior defense and offensive line and be able to defend in the middle of the field. So I think it supports what we're talking about in terms of them trying to rebuild this roster and rebuild for next year. And for me, it's the chicken before the egg, right? Um you got to have a solid offensive line if you run a football, if you want to run the football. I'm with you when it comes to running backs. You know, I'm a little iffy on first-round running backs. I think if you take a running back in the first round, they have to be three-down guys, absolutely dynamic, and guys that you can do a ton with in your offensive scheme. I don't know if that player is in this draft. Um, I agree with you at cornerback. I mean, you've lost, what, about 1,500, 1,600 snaps from two of your top five cornerbacks, I mean, you have to replace that. That is an absolute need. I mean, I don't even know who the nickel corner is for the Steelers next year. He's on another it. team. They only he's on the Bengals. He's on the Bengals right now. So you know, I don't know what they do there. And I think inside linebacker, I think at some point they want to pair Devin Bush with another dynamic athlete in the interior, like Devin Bush. So you can have two rangy guys playing sideline to sideline and also being able to neutralize um, different things that offenses are trying to do from a passing game perspective inside the middle of the field. Uh, so 
Now that we have the bucket, so we're going with center as the number one priority or interior offensive line, running back corner, and inside linebacker. Now let's play some players in those buckets. And we talked a little bit last week. One of the players you selected, I don't think you selected this guy. You took another guy. And I'm looking on my sheet right here was Landon Dickerson was a player that you put in the center bucket. Now, before I have you talk about him, Neil, I wanted to give some of his metrics. His RAS, R-A-S, they don't have it listed because I don't think Bama shared a lot of their numbers or the RAS, the website, doesn't have a lot of their numbers uh, from their pro day. But he's a big kid, returning senior, about 333 pounds, big hands, long arms. Um, He tends to be, from what I've seen, uh, the top-graded interior uh, lineman at center guard position, um, Landon Dickerson. What's your thoughts on him as a player, and do you have another guy that you would put in there with him as a comp? I think, and I've discussed this with a lot of people, and surprisingly, pretty much everybody I spoke to would suggest that that Dickerson, uh, and not Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, the the RAS star of, of this year's draft, is the better center. He's the better prospect. Interestingly, though, pretty much nobody I spoke with suggested 24 is a good spot for either one of them. It seems as if both would be more regarded as second-round picks. Um, There's a lot that goes into these things, and uh, while it's a need for the Steelers, certainly immediately, we have a tendency to evaluate the, the longevity of a player in a much more harsher context for certain positions rather than others. The expectation is, and perhaps this is fair, tell me if this is wrong, when you draft the center in the first round, he better start for you for 11 years when he's healthy. He better have a more keys pouncy like career. Um, I, I think that's kind of a high expectation for one position just because you draft him, he's got to you know fit in immediately and be the leader of your team. But he should have that kind of ability. I think Dickerson shows that. Now you 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 file it down even more narrowly. Is Dickerson worth twenty four overall? Is he worth a first round pick? Um, top to bottom, there's a massive difference, and I'm sure everyone would agree with this between the first overall pick and the thirty second overall pick. So saying is he worth a first round pick is relative to where you're drafting. Is there much of a difference between twenty four and thirty two? I don't know. There's a huge difference between twenty four and fifty five. So the question to me comes down to, if you really want a center, if you're going to make that your priority, is he worth 24 knowing you're not going to get him at, at 55? That's yeah, the that's real question that's of the draft. This is the, the way that teams are going to review this. They're not going to look at it in a, a, a strictly position rules all kind of way, which is, well, you never take a center in the first round. You never take a running back in the first round. Unless that's the best player available at the board in a position that you need, why are you waiting? What else are you drafting? Right. Uh, they need a starting center. Do you realize they're they're already what if, if they even draft one of these guys? They're one injury away from BJ Finney for the rest of the year. BJ Finney is not signed next year, so they're they're out of a starting center next year if they don't take one. If they don't get one that can play, they're absolutely walking out of this draft with a guy that they want to start at center. There's no way that's not happening. The question comes down to whether or not they feel there are other players at 55 that they might be able to get who are on the same type of level as a Landon Dickerson, as maybe even a Creed Humphrey. I think, uh, for me, I think Dickerson is is the better of the two prospects. I think he's the guy um, that they would look to. I'm not sold on him at 24 overall, though. For everything else that I said, I don't know if he's the guy for that spot. I think he's absolutely somebody they, they should look into. Um, I just think they have another position with a, a similar issue as far as who they're going to be able to get, who's going to be available. It, it, it's the same problem. But I, I really think center and running back are their first two picks in this draft. From there, it's really a question of who's who's the better player and who do they think they're not going to be able to get at 55. That's going to come down to center and running back. So we'll slow down, Neil. Don't, don't, don't. Let, let, let's hold the tease. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have gone that far. I apologize. Let, let's hold the I'm tease. I'm excited. I'm fired up, Lance. <laughs> don't reveal what's <laughs> behind the curtain, the steel curtain. Um uh, Go ahead and unmute yourself, Neil. Um, uh, let's jump into running back. And I want to give a big shout out to Coach Mims. Big up to Coach Mims uh, and the Mims Seed Company. Big up to Coach Mims. Coach Mims is family of mine. 
Uh, Coach Mims is my son-in-law, so big up to the Mims, big up to uh, Charmaine, Nigel, big up to the Mims family, big up to the Mims Seed Company. Make sure if you're in the Oakland area to, you know, to search out uh, Coach Mims. He's on YouTube, the Mims Seed Company, a great program mentoring young athletes in emotional intelligence in the Oakland area. So big up to you, Coach Mims. Let's jump into the running back position. I'm going to keep Coach Mims's comment up there about Chubba Hubbard's. So we talked about the importance of the running back position. Let's put the two. Let's put the two big running backs. And, and there's no secret here. Let's talk about the two big running backs that everyone is talking about who could potentially be available for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the 24 pick. But before we do, and, and I'm just let the cat out the bag. That's Najee Harris, and and that's Clifford Etienne. Um, and, and looking at the RAS for, for Clifford, or excuse me, Travis ATN. Sorry about that. <laughs> I don't know why I thought Clifford ATN. <laughs> Where Clifford uh, come from? I, I but I'm going to call him Clifford from now until forever. Thank you. <laughs> I'm thinking of Clifford <laughs> the Red Dog. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I was thinking of Clifford. Maybe it's orange and red combined together. And I was thinking Clifford the Red Dog. Man, I was hearing a, a bark in oh, the background. <laughs> but in terms of uh, Travis ATN, his RAS is 9.14 which ranks seventh in the position where he gets dinged in terms of RAS is his size. But if you look at some of his combine metrics, excuse me, pro day metrics, he ran a four, four, his 10 yard was 1.56. Uh, when you look at the two players, there's no RAS RAS score uh, listed for Najee Harris, but there you can see when you look at the two individual players from a physical perspective, Najee is a much bigger man overall in general than Travis ATN. Look at the two players for me. Break it down. What do you think or who you like more in terms of the two players? I hate this because it, uh, they're they're neck and neck until you get to age. I just I, I don't like the idea of a 23-year-old running back uh, being selected in the first round. If we're putting this in the context of the first round, I think Etienne is, is – if he's behind Harris, it's not by much. I think they're they're both good backs. They're both going to be productive NFL players. I feel where I sit right now, Harris is going to be the better running back for a Mike Tomlin style team. He's going to want a guy to not have to be off the field on third and short. And this team was so woefully bad on third terrible, down last year. Terrible. It, it's really hard to ignore the, the size advantage that Harris would have. Um, Najee's a banger. I he, he can do anything. I mean, he's he's a, a, a very solid all-around running back. You really like his game top to bottom. He's not quite the receiver that I would want if he's going to be a first-round pick, and I think that's a big part of why he's, he's you know going to fall uh, further down the draft board. If he had a better display of, of receiving the ball and he was younger, I think he would easily fit at 24, if not earlier. But top to bottom, I, I really like Etienne as well. I, I think he's a younger player. I think he might be – uh, on, on the higher side, athletic, athletically, he is a little bit smaller though, uh, but he's younger too. So it, it's tough. It's tough. And I, I think that uh, Coach Mims brings up another name as well that, that kind of defines what's going to happen in this draft. And this is really the problem. You've got Eddie and you've got Harris. You've got maybe Javante Williams. I, I'm, the kid on North Carolina, I'm not sure 100% if he's a first round guy. Uh, probably not. But after that, it's, it's kind of a, a hodgepodge of a lot of different players. Um, Hubbard's an interesting candidate if you want the inside the tackles banger type of guy. I think for, for me, I think that the Steelers need a player that can do that, but they also need a guy that can run outside zone. That That's where they want to go. Yeah, that's yeah. what they want to teach. They want to get back to that. They've lost that over the last two years. Some of it's a personnel issue. Some of it is a scheme slash line issue. They, they want to be able to get back to that because you can interchange – well-coached players in his own running right, scheme much right. easier than you can in a power gap. So right. for me, I, I would prefer if they did that. And under those circumstances, I, I, Eddie might be the better player, but I, I think that the size and that, that, uh, that attraction to the power that he brings, I think that's going to be the difference uh, between them in the eyes of the Steelers. So for me, I would put Harris slightly ahead of Eddie slightly and I don't think they'd be upset with getting either one of them, but I think Harris is probably the one that they would want more. And we talked about it last week. I think that 23, and that point was a great one you made last week. That's key, particularly at the running back position. I mean, Harris has a lot of hits on him already, essentially free hits. And so at 23, when you're talking about, what, a four-year contract, that puts him at 27. And if you give him 
a, a tender and you keep him another year, that puts him at 28. He will not get to a second contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers at 28. If they use him like Mike Tomlin suggests he wants exactly. to use running back. That's, that's exactly it. It comes down to, to Thomas <laughs> Tomlin basically looking to run him into the ground. I'd argue, though, is that a problem for a first-round pick? Do they all have to be the, yeah, the, I don't, the completely unrealistic expectation of being 12-year pros? That That's completely out of your hands. Regardless of anything, it's completely out of your hands. You don't know what's going to happen to the kid. I hate to say yeah. this because it's super dramatic and kind of morbid, but Ryan Shazier was expected to be a 12-year guy. That didn't work out so well. You don't know what's going to happen. You draft him in the first round. Use him. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, and, right? and, and I think the object, and I think sometimes, you know, fans – Sometimes we get lost in the minutia of the draft because it's a bunch of players. It's exciting. It's the first thing we're looking at in the NFL. We just can't wait for the games. But the point of the draft is to win games. I mean, that's it. I mean, that that that's what you're doing this for is to win games. And would anyone care if you drafted Najee Harris in the first round? He only plays five years, but you win one Super Bowl. And he's the linchpin of that one Super Bowl, and you don't re-sign him to a second contract. I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer that for Steeler Nation. <laughs> no one would give a rats. Not, no one not would only, care. Not only would you not give a rats, you'd buy him a drink every time you saw him in Pittsburgh. Whatever he's doing after his time in Pittsburgh, he's a forever Steeler. He's always a Steeler. He's he's glorified. He's worshipped. You know, and again, and, that, that's exactly the point. You want guys that can come in and contribute to winning. Why does Kevin Colbert care if this guy is going to play 10 years? Why would he care? He's not going to be here in 10 years. He might have two left in him. Tops. Tomlin probably yes. won't even be here in 10 years. They're not drafting a guy for, for that kind of longevity. I think that's just nonsense. In a league that doesn't give out guaranteed money except to, to quarterbacks, and that's only kind of a, a recent uh, uh, happening in the league, why would you care what happens 10 years down the line? You're not even guaranteeing him three years. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think that that that's a myth that's sold by ESPN and other things about oh, you're you're drafted him for a decade. Look, this is this is a league a where guys average at best. You know, cliche at best. Yeah, guys average three years. I mean, you you take a guy that's gonna help you in the short term. Hopefully you can get him to a second contract if that and you just try to win with what you have. We're gonna jump to the cornerback position, but before that, I want to bring up a comment from longtime listener of the program. I want you to address this, Neil, from Felicia Ballard. What's up, Felicia? And she wrote, Steve Nelson came out with the comment that he wasn't given an opportunity to take a pay cut. It was either a trade or release. With him still sitting, do you think he'll return if the Steelers call? Um, I'll, I'll answer the last part first. Um, no, because I, I don't think the Steelers would call him either. I think that ship has sailed. Um, the rest of it, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't necessarily believe everything Steven Nelson's saying. I don't necessarily believe everything that, that's coming out of – Pittsburgh, as far as what happened, um, Lance, you and I have talked about this before. I, I maybe on the show, maybe outside of it, but I, I said at the beginning of this offseason, if the Steelers were going to do three things this year, one thing they're going to do is restructure Cam Hayward's contract, which they did in, in quick order. The other is they're going to figure out how to make something work with Ben Roethlisberger, probably a pay cut of some type, but they're absolutely going to restructure his contract. I suggested at that point as well that they're going to give him a bunch of void years and, and get him a, a much lower cap number and come back because he's the, the best of, of all evils involved. There's no sense in getting rid of him. May as well keep him for one more year. First two things happened. The third thing was they're going to work out an extension with Steven Nelson. His contract was built for an extension, and I, yeah. I feel like he played well enough to earn one. Why didn't he? I don't know. It really doesn't make sense. When it first came out, I legitimately thought – um, the, the issue was they went to him about an extension and Nelson said, no, not when William Jackson is getting 14 a year, not when Trey Wayne's got 14 a year last year from the same team, by the way, cornerbacks uh, in the league are getting paid in this, this 13 and a half to 14 range. And I'm absolutely in that group. If you're not giving me that extension, I'll play out this year and I'll, I'll hit for agency next year, but no, I'm not going to sign an extension at that point he becomes more of a liability for a team that needs cap space. If he doesn't want to sign an extension, that $8 million saved against the cap is more valuable to the Steelers. They can sign Cam Sutton on the cheap. When they're able to do that, they have more leverage, I think, in the Nelson situation if Nelson didn't want to sign the extension that they would have offered. That's just logic. In my mind, that, that scenario makes a lot of sense. I, it, it doesn't sound like that's what happened. It legitimately sounds like the Steelers just wanted to cut him. Um 
I, I yeah, guess it's, it's for the cap yeah. space. Really, there's no other way to look at it. That just seems so odd to me that it, it's not like he had a huge salary. His cap, you know, probably wasn't the best. You were going to cut one of them, though. You figured you would have cut Hayden. Um, the, the fact yeah, they didn't is, even approach Hayden. I, I think there's a lot that happened that we don't know yeah, about. But yeah. what it came down to is Steven Nelson's $8 million saved against the cap was more valuable than Steven Nelson on the team this season. They bump up uh, Cam Sutton. They don't have a nickel. They're absolutely going to address that position in the draft at some point. And I guess that's their plan. Um, it, it's Sexy it's kind team. of an odd one. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an odd plan. And there's nothing next year. Keep that in mind. They have Sutton. Uh, a two-year deal starting this year. So next year they will walk into training camp 2022 with Cam Sutton, one year left. Joe Hayden's a free agent. Um, something called Justin Lane, who has never been on the field, I think is still under contract. <laughs> they have to make a decision in the offseason about something called James Pierre, which, by the way, all Steelers fans love James Pierre now. Why? I have no reason. Like, you never saw the guy play. <laughs> There's a reason he didn't play. Uh, it may, maybe that's why they got rid of Steven Nelson. Somehow or other, they've identified this, this diamond in the rough, even though the fact they never played him. They, they think that he's going to be great, and Steven Nelson all of a sudden is now expendable because of James Pierre. I hope that's the case. I'm just saying I, it, it's it, you don't really have evidence to prove that. So, so, so I don't Neil. know what they're doing at cornerback, Felicia. That it's it's bizarre. The whole Steven Nelson thing is bizarre, and you're, you're asking a, a question that I promise you Mike Tomlin is going to hear within the first three questions he's asked the next time he speaks to the media. So, so Neil, we've done a fantastic job. There are a couple of things that are going to stick on the show. Uh, ATN will always be called Clifford ATN. That's one. That's one thing that's always going to stick on the show. The other thing is, for guys that we have no idea why Steeler Nation likes, we're going to call them something called. Oh yeah, in, in yeah. front of their name, something called XXX. Whatever that is, we're just going to throw that in there. We're also going to use Dash Guy as well. And the last one we're going to use is Neil Stradamus. The more you pick <laughs> stuff right, we're just going to call you Neil Stradamus or Cool Stradamus. Either one. We'll talk after the show which one you like. I like Neil Stradamus better than Cool I'll Stradamus. I'll let you go. I don't feel like yeah. I should be involved in that. Yeah, I like I like Neil Stradamus. I, I like that. But since we talked about the cornerback <laughs> position, here are some names that you threw at me for corners. You threw uh, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech and Eric Stokes. And one thing, when you look at RAS scores, the corners are out of this world. I mean, you look at the whole first board of like the first 12, 15, 20 corners, their RAS scores are all in the green level, which is nine points or above. Um, they didn't have the score for Caleb Farley, but Caleb Farley's a big corner. He almost measures out at 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, Eric Stokes is a little bit smaller at six foot one or excuse me, six feet and a half, both about 200 pounds. Eric Stokes is RAS is at 9.37. He's out of Georgia. The other thing with all of these players that we talked about, and it was something that we talked about last week as one of the criteria, which the Steelers look at when they're talking about first round draft pick or first or second round of guys is all these guys go to power five conferences. They're power five schools. Um, Najee Harris, Bama, Clifford Etienne, Clemson, Landon Dickerson, Bama, Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma. We're going to talk about the linebackers, but all those guys are from power five schools as well as far and with these and these corners as well. So, so Neil briefly talk about Farley and Stokes. What's your thoughts on these players? Uh, big is the first thing I would think of. And it Stokes to me is the intriguing one of the two. I think Farley is a great player. I think he's got good pedigree. I can totally see, uh, why they'd be interested in him. I just don't necessarily think he's going to be around at 24. I think Stokes is the one that they would look at if they want to look at a cornerback. Um, you don't see a whole lot of people uh, suggesting that he's a, a, a first-round pick, but the ones who are putting him around 27, 28. My guy Luke Easterling has, has put him to New Orleans at 28 a couple times. I could see them being interested in a kid like him. Um, he's blazing fast, and he's really long. Um, it, it, the fact that he's smaller than Farley is kind of weird. It just shows you how big Farley is in comparison to the average cornerback. Six foot and a half or whatever it is, and 200 pounds is a big cornerback today. It, running at the speed he's running at, that's that's Antonio Cromartie-like. Now, I understand that um, 
Cromartie didn't totally work out. Not a terrible player. Uh, it's also very similar to, uh, as, as you might remember, the, the Browns and the Justin Gilbert disaster that the Steelers eventually gave up an asset to, to bring on board to their team. Very similar build. Uh, it's similar game in the sense that they're great athletes. Um Olympic style athletes or they're they're long limbed, uh, long speed kinds of guys, kick returner slash high hurdler types of runners, but they're quick in space as well. Um, athleticism kills all. And if, if you're looking at uh, what the Steelers have typically gone for in a highly invested cornerback, um, they, they tend to be a little bit bigger. And I guess Artie Burns is probably the only one that you can go on. But if you're going to pay a cornerback a lot, if you're going to take him in, at a premium level, uh, they either need to be freakishly quick and 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 very instinctive multi-scheme players or at the very least they need to be big and i think that's what you get um when you're talking about the kid from georgia um he's he's long speed he's very fast he, he he's probably more of a zone cornerback um if you watch him and I, I i'll admit i don't have a ton of tape experience with the guy but um probably more of a zone guy i think he's got good vision i think he'll support the run they look for those kinds of things, but we really don't have great precedent of what the Steelers want in a first round cornerback. But I'll say this, I think he's a better athlete than Artie Burns was. He's about the same size. Uh, I, I think he looks a little bit better on film than Burns did, but I, I don't think that takes a whole lot to be honest. Burns wasn't all that great on film. Um, if Cornerback is absolutely a need, but like what you said, you look at the board, there are a lot of really athletic cornerbacks in this draft. Uh, because of that, if they're going to look at, rarity i don't think the gap between uh, a farley around the level that the Steelers would be at farley's farley's probably at best the third cornerback off the board the difference between farley and stokes is not significant and i think by the time they would get back to 55 there would be good cornerbacks available and this is a franchise that really likes to find that cam sutton sort the solid veteran type that they can develop not have to pay a ton for at the end of his rookie contract and be able to get the product that they invested in at his best when he's on that veteran extension. Dana Brugler of the athletic has Stokes is 40 time at 4.29. Yeah. Um, RAS has it at, uh, let me take a look here. Cause I still have chase Claypool pulled up. RAS has it at 4.31. Yeah, dude, so, dude can fly whether it's 429 or 431 or 436, whatever it is. Yeah. That's yeah. fast. That that, yeah, he, that he's a blazer. Move. He's a blazer. Here's my here's my thought with corner with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and we briefly talked about it last week when we talked about how can the Steelers draft a corner or, or do much better drafting wide receivers and hitting on wide receivers than corners. And you talked about just the difficulty in terms of playing the position in and of itself. The Steelers suck at drafting corners, so. <laughs> I mean, it's just flat out. They they don't do a very good job at it. So as a Steeler fan, I hope they stay away from drafting a corner in the first round unless there's some way where they're top 10. And if they were top 10, there's no way they would take a corner. They'd figure out, yeah. try to pick out one of these, pick one of these quarterbacks. But unless you can pick a, a Patrick Sertan or something like that, somebody you think is big, a monster, you know, has has family lines, family tree in the NFL, and as that type of guy, stay away from corner. They just don't do a very good job at doing it. Now, they hit sort of with Hilton, but he was undrafted. Cam Sutton kind of became a better player for them. But they, but they don't do a very good job at drafting corner. So I hope, as a Steeler fan, they stay away from drafting corner in the first round. Let's jump to the last position. That's the inside linebacker position. Two names that you picked out to look at were Jeremiah owosu Karoma and Baron Browning, both guys, very good athletic guys. Browning from um, is the RAS superstar, 9.98, number one overall in, at the position. And Jeremiah from Notre Dame is at 8.72. Uh, give me your thoughts on both of those players. I think uh, JOK is the quintessential Joker style player he's, he's a linebacker slash safety um his fit with the Steelers is multiple there's a lot of different things they could do with him um they could have used him 
I think anyway, in every season in the last four or five years, that type of player. They've been trying to find it. They've failed miserably. This is the Morgan Burnett failure. This is to, to, to some degree um, the, the kind of player they wanted to bring in to play multiple roles, to play in sub packages. And I like be able that to type do, of guy. Yeah, I, as do I. And I think somebody around probably the middle of the draft is going to like him as well. I don't think he falls, but I don't see how they resist if he's on the board at 24. He's just, he's a really, really good football player. Uh, what position they'll have him play long-term, I think, is one thing compared to what they'll do right away. But the type of, of uh, production they could get from a player like that in that role doesn't have to be a three-down guy. He could be a specialty guy, or he, he could have a different role on three different downs. He's He's smart. He's a good football player, plain and simple. He's a good football player. There are a lot of things that you can do with him. Um, you watch Browning, though, and I, I've gotten into a lot of arguments about these people. I think it's really funny. Um, I'll use this not as a direct comparison, but generally speaking, Daniil Hunter, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, he was, by, by my account anyway, of scouting him back in the day, he was a Greek god. He was built like Thor he was as le- as athletic as the day was long. He had everything except football ability. <laughs> he really didn't, you know, he didn't he, he didn't play with a lot of heart. He wasn't a real hardcore football kind of guy. You didn't get that feeling from him. And I thought that it was really odd that he went in the third round. Kind of a non-development round. Um typically it seems like teams philosophies about third round picks are less risk and more long-term That's game. Good. Yeah. Your your mid round value guys. We're going to build a foundation with this guy. He's just not going to be a cornerstone. We want to keep him for a while. Daniel Hunter didn't look like a third round guy to me. He looked more like a fourth round guy, but he absolutely had first round traits. Just a great athlete. Daniel Hunter paid for himself multiple times over in Minnesota. It helps when you get a, a, a fantastic defensive coach like Mike Zimmer guiding your your progress in your career and hunter would be wise to remember that when, when it comes to contract negotiation time they're having some some problems with that in minnesota zimmer made hunter what he is um it, but he's a he's a good football player he's a great athlete he's got a lot of days ahead of him browning doesn't remind me of hunter but his situation does because he has the tape of a fourth round guy i will say this though one we, we've talked for three episodes now about athleticism uh, the 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 value of that with the Steelers, you don't get much more athletic than this Browning kid is. You watch him play, it's like, oh my god, he flashes all over the screen. If anything, he reminds me of Ryan Shazier. The the way that he goes from point A to point B when he figures out what's going on, Shazier was not that dissimilar to that. Shazier was better for sure in college. Shazier went 15 overall. This kid isn't going to go 15 overall, but I would not be surprised to see a a, a defensive minded team drafting late, look to make an investment in him. If they want to redshirt him for a year, uh, let him kind of you know coach him up and let him figure it out. Um, he will absolutely be, I think, pretty quickly taken in the second round if he gets that far. But I would not be surprised if the Steelers can't resist his upside as an athlete because he is an incredible athlete. Not a good football player yet, but look That's at the pure definition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're paying a lot of coaches. To coach people, that's their sole duty. Believe it or not, it's to coach guys how to play football. They don't—they're not walking out of the box as Mike Singletary. I don't know why we have the expectation that first-round picks need to be all pro players. They're not going to be. You know, it's that simple. But you can't teach the kind of athleticism that this kid has. And I I think there's going to be a team that wants that fifth year on the kind of cheap. You know, it's not a, a transition tag as much anymore. It's closer to, to the franchise tag, but that's not much money at the back end of a five-year contract with a Ooh. player that has a ton of room to grow. I could Absolutely. see, I could see the Steelers looking to take this guy. And I'll, I'll say that I made a bet with somebody that was completely against the idea that the Steelers uh, would would draft him at fifty-five. They don't think he's worth fifty-five. I'll make the bet right now. He's gone before fifty-five. Yeah, way yeah, that, too much that athlete. That. Yeah, way too much athlete. And you watch him, you see it. He doesn't have the reaction that you want, but when he does, he's moving and he's noticeably faster than everybody else. And he's not playing at at, at you know Podunk State either. He's in Ohio yeah. State. You're there are Ohio players State. around him. He's running down potential NFL running backs. And he's making up – he flashes. He moves like very few defenders do. Those are the kinds of things scouts are going to notice uh, much more than the obvious technical flaws that he has that all of them have. They're not perfect players. 
Um, I, I, it's not a position of need. I think it's probably something more in the second round. I just, I can't help but notice the amount of, of time and attention Mike Tomlin has given to Browning. And it would not surprise me if that's kind of the thing that they're thinking about. This is not dissimilar from Terrell Evans. Also a guy nobody wanted to talk about because he's not a first round guy, but he's a great athlete. They're going to teach him how to play football. They, they want athletes and he's an athlete. Before we get into your pick, Neil, I want to jump into, and I'm going to give a pick as well. Before we get into your pick, though, I want to speak to uh, the comment from Wave Dave 10. Big up to Wave Dave 10. And anybody that's in the live chat, make sure you are subscribing to the show. And Felicia asked about the Super Chat feature. I'm going to do a search of, of the Super Chat feature to see how I can get that started. But we may need to be monetized first. And to get to monetize, <laughs> we need 1,000 subscribers. So make sure you guys are Whoa. telling who, whoever's out there. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe so we can get monetized as quickly as possible. And he said Hayden is more of a leader than Nelson. And that that's sort of what I want to speak to. I don't think one, I don't think the Steelers care about mentorship. That that's whatever. It, it's whatever. Either you can play or you're not. I mean, it's great to be a mentor, but if you can't cover and you don't tackle, you're not going to play in the NFL. You're not going to be on a team. So mentorship doesn't matter. Hayden is more of a leader than Nelson. Unless you have some sort of information that suggests that, that is not something that you can say. And you can't necessarily believe what you're going to hear on Twitter, what you're going to hear in blogs, or what you're going to hear on this show or whatever. Information like that is inside the building, and that is going to come from coaches and players. So unless you have that type of lens to the Steelers and wave Dave 10 may take all of that stuff with a grain of salt. Hayden is more of a leader and none of that really matters, right? They paid the guy. They signed Nelson as a free agent. The guy played a thousand, almost 2000 snaps with the Steelers over the two years performed very well, has very good PFF scores. It's inter- it's interesting that he's not on a roster right now. I find that pretty interesting because he is a solid corner. But the Hayden is more of a leader than Nelson. You know, leadership is whatever. I mean, I think some of that stuff is overblown. Can you play solid football? And he's at a position that's highly valued. Something went wrong there. But that's enough on Steven Nelson. Well, let's get the brass tacks, man. Make your 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 number one draft pick. We talked about Dickerson, Humphrey, Harris, ATN, Farley, Stokes. We talked about the two inside linebackers, and we talked about the positions of need. Who's your first round draft pick, Neil? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like this. I'm gonna filter out a, a few things first and foremost. Um, for me, the need a cornerback is definitely there. I don't think it's as pressing, um, and I think the depth at the position is much better than at center or running back. I'm gonna take out cornerback. Along with that, I'm going to take out an inside linebacker. I, I do agree. think, though, of those three positions, most likely running back, cornerback, and inside linebacker, the best bet for the best player who's going to be there at 24, it's going to be one of those. So eliminate cornerback, process of elimination. Cornerback is the one that doesn't fit for that the, the most, in my mind. From there, you absolutely need a starting center. And I, I hope that they have a running back who's worth starting because they don't have that right now at all. I think B.J. Finney can argue that he's a starter, but it, it's not a good situation. They have somebody there. You can't start Benny between Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane. Um, Let me just pause you real quick. Jalen Samuels. Yeah. Let me just pause you real quick. Look at the rest of the division in terms of the running backs at their point. Yep. I mean yep. – I mean, you they got Joe Mixon. I mean, you got Joe Mixon. Then you look at the Cleveland Browns. I mean, come on, man. None, of them, just... none of them are running into a game. They have to give Jalen Samuels 20 carries. Okay, that's happened. Yeah, that's yeah. not going to be a winning game often. <laughs> They're not going to run into that situation. It, it, it's they'll, they'll run all day. The Steelers don't have the ability to do that, and we saw that last year. I don't care about rounds so much when you're that bad, when you're that deficient in, in most situational football uh, moments, which really it, it oftentimes is about running the ball and defending the run. That's situational football. It's short yardage. It's goal line. It's third and short. You you need to get dudes on the field that can they can play, regardless of what you're doing. It's not a play calling issue. It's not a scheme issue. You need to move guys, and you need to fall forward. They don't have anybody that moves guys. They don't have anybody that falls forward. They need to start the rebuilding of that process, in, in my opinion, with a center or a running back or both. To me, though, 
I want to say I would rather have the center if the center fits. I at 24, it, it's weird, and I know that this is absolutely not popular among analytics people, and it makes me seem really, really old. But I, I think the reality of the situation is the best player who's going to be there at 24 at a position of, of critical need, which to me is running back and center, the best player who's going to be there is Najee Harris. I, I think in, in most ways that I can get my head around, I think it's Harris uh, for them. For me, it might be Dickerson. I'd, I'd be I'd have a real tough time deciding between those two, but I think the Steelers are going to go with Harris. And I'll say this, though. If they don't take Harris, if it's not Harris, because I, I don't see him not being taken before 24. If they don't see Harris, yes, absolutely, Coach Mims. Something called, <laughs> something I've called been, Jalen Samuels. I've been, I've been saying something called Jalen Samuels for years because Jalen Samuels <laughs> right. is the most jag guy on the roster. I mean, <laughs> he, he, has the, he has the horizontal mobility of a school bus. I mean, he's among the worst in the NFL laterally. And they're throwing throw him the that ball. Up there again. I got to throw that up there again. Something called Jalen Mills, SCJS. Absolutely. Samuels is, is absolutely, he's a completely deficient athlete at that position. Completely deficient athlete. He was a tight end in college. They made him a running back in the NFL. Do you realize that? That's, that's the complete opposite step, but whatever. Because of the presence of Jalen Samuels though, Najee Harris looks pretty good. I, I think it's going to be Harris by at the end of the day. I might, I, I want to talk myself into Eddie and the most because he's younger. I think he, I really can't say he's more explosive. I, I think Harris is the better player overall. I, I think it'll be Harris. And I think it'll be an off season of screaming about how stupid the Steelers are in the draft. But I, I will add this Lance. And I absolutely know you are 100% supporter of this kind of thinking. The draft goes longer than the first round. Okay. This is not going to be the only pick they make. They're in good position to, to fill a good need in the second round as well. And they still have salary cap space that they're going to, to, to spend after the draft. There are still good players available. You're going to go through the draft right now and then basically go on a, a spending spree after that. So they're not in a bad spot if they take Harris. I just think he, he fits overall the best with them at 24. You know, I want to disagree with you. But but I I think they're going to go Harris. I think oh, they're going to go I don't Harris. I want to say it. You can you please know, disagree I, with it. I hope they I, do too. I think they're I think they're going to go Harris. I think they'll go Harris over Clifford ATN, aka Clifford ATN. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to go in front of ATN because you know Mike Tomlin likes violence. I mean he likes violence. Exactly. He wants violent backs, and Mike Tomlin has no gumption about not running a back twenty five times. I mean, he ran the tires off of Le'Veon Bell. I mean, so Mike Tomlin wants a violent back. He's a three-down back. He's from he's from the Bay Area, from Antioch, California, maybe about twenty miles west of me. He's I don't know I don't know you know I don't know directions whatever. I can't read a map to save my life. But he's from very close to me. I think they're going to take him. I, I think he's the back, and I think they're going to hit it back. And I think they're gonna go. And let me throw this out. I think they're gonna go Najee Harris. I wouldn't have no. I would have no problem with that uh, because they're gonna need to run a football for the next guy. And that's what we talked about a couple episodes ago. Is that they're looking at the roster over a three to five year period. Exactly. It's the exactly. next guy. It's not necessarily for Ben Roethlisberger, and it will help Ben Roethlisberger. But they're gonna need a running game for the next quarterback. I think they go ATN. I think they go interior offensive line in the second round. And then I think in any, I don't know if they have two picks in the third round, correct me if I'm wrong. They'll go corner inside linebacker. Those are in, in the first three rounds. I think the position groups that you're going to hit are running back center guard, or probably center um, corner and, and inside linebacker. I think those are the first four positions that you'll see the Steelers select, but I think they are going to go with Clifford ATN. Um, you like that Clifford ATN. Uh, but um give me give me give me your thoughts on, on the first four picks. So we both agree on Najee Harris. What about the first four position groups um in this draft for the Steelers? What do you think uh, for, the positions they'll hit? I I I tend to not like to say um they want to line up 
going into a draft, these positions are what we're going to focus on. But I, I don't know if we've had a draft in, in, in recent memory in which the Steelers kind of have to do that. They don't have a choice. They have so many immediate needs, which is not common for this team. They set them up. They set themselves up for this. I did not anticipate them getting rid of Steven Nelson. To me, that's telegraphing that they're going to take a cornerback. They also telegraph they're going to take a running back. They telegraph they're going to take a center. They have to address these positions. And those, you know, center, if you want a starter, you need to draft them in a premium round, which to me is one through three, not including compensatory picks. I think they're going to address running back first because of the value that's there. Um a center in the second because they need a guy that can start. There's some competition at cornerback because we're assuming that James Pierre clearly is, is not only the next Mike Hilton, he might be the next Charles Woodson too, sitting on the bench, hiding away until he's eligible to play or something, I guess. <laughs> he said Charles Woodson loved that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he's going to have to be that kind of player because they, they don't play him all the time. No, they're going to bring in a rookie. They, they've been planning to do that. Is he going to play? I don't know. It, it, getting a cornerback in the third round is not the greatest proposition. Maybe they go that with that in the second round, but they're yeah, going to address cornerback. Yeah. They're going to address center. And I think they're going to need to address a linebacker position. Vince Williams, like you pointed out, is on a one-year deal. Robert Spillane is still a, a, a restricted free agent. He gets more expensive next season. They, they might want to bring in somebody they can play, probably a complimentary player. If that's Browning, I, I I would enjoy watching that linebacker group uh, develop. That'd be a lot of fun. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it would not surprise me if they addressed that position as well. So for me, the, the top four on the board pretty clearly are um, is center, running back, inside linebacker, and cornerback. I right. think they'd like to get out of this draft with an outside linebacker as well. And we haven't even addressed tackle yet. So the, their draft yeah. is pretty yeah. much spoken for. They, they can't get more guys than, than they have needs for right now, which goes into my theory that this really is part of a rebuild over two years. Next year's draft is going to be way more important than this year's draft is. And next year's free agency class is going to be right. bigger, which again, they still have cap space. The Steelers do not go into seasons with $11 million in cap space. They're going to spend that down to about five because that that's usually where they are. And they're going to address depth. I haven't even brought up tight end yet. I've been going to, to therapy to discuss my issues with the Steelers' tight ends <laughs> over the last couple of years. I haven't even addressed that yet. They're simply not going to get it. This is a terrible draft for tight ends. There's Kyle Pitts, who's an absolute freak. Uh, uh, you know that, that guy isn't normal. He's barely even human. Then there's pretty much nobody else. Jesse James is out there lingering in free agency. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign him, bring him in for whatever – um, they're they're going to need to figure that position out uh, next season, probably better than this one is. But they, they're they're going to be thin in a lot of places. And top to bottom, to me, um, the first four picks are going to be the key ones, and those are going to be very strategic, which is not typical for them. But this is not the only uh, – this year isn't going to be great for them. They can build better into next year, but this they're, they're really looking at two- or three-year plan now uh, to, to get back to where they were uh, for the first 11 games of last season. Hey, Coach, excuse me. Hey, Neil, before we get out of here, um, give me your thoughts on, um, you know, what you got coming up next week. Um, what do you want guys to look for? Um, and, and just just alert the listeners, anybody who's listening, what you got coming up for the draft. I know you guys are doing a bunch of draft stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, take a look at Steelers Wire. Kurt and Allison there are doing uh, – they've, they've got a bunch of draft stuff coming up. Part of our plan is going to be uh, very similar to what we just did, kind of reconstructing what or constructing what they would want their draft board to look like in terms of priorities. Um, it, there, there's there's going to be a lot of stuff with that. But Draft Wire, uh, which, believe it or not, covers the draft, uh, they're, they're going to be doing a ton of things. We just hired on Lori Fitzpatrick, absolutely excellent football mind. Um, she and Luke are going to be doing a ton of things as far as breaking down the prospects and fitting them into uh, where they might go, different rounds, different team assignments, what they might look like in different places, trying to kind of project not only the way the draft would go, but how their first seasons would go with different teams as well. So okay. plenty of stuff going on. Um, it, it's the busy time of the year and this is the best. You know, I, I, I really, uh, I really enjoy the off season in the NFL because there really isn't one. And th this stuff is, it, it's, it's more fun because it's not definitive. There's a lot of different angles and perspectives to consider. And I, I just enjoy that part of the process. So Neil, uh, as their jefe, hopefully we can uh, get them on, uh, on the show next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they yeah. have to do what I tell them to do. 
Exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm going to make Neil, him tell him right now, in fact. <laughs> Neil Stradamus. So there you have it, <laughs> listeners. Uh, Neil Stradamus is perfect. The, perfect. They're going to be on the show next week, and we're going to break down a Steelers draft. We might as well just go ahead and mock it out and do the Steelers draft and just have them wax poetic and break down the picks. So that's what to look forward to next week. We're going to go ahead and just do the Steelers draft next week and have those guys on because uh, Neil Stradamus has said it. So it shall be. Amen. With that, listeners, we're going to go ahead and get off the program, man. We've had a great time. We've had some fun. Something called Clifford ATN, Neil Stradamus, <laughs> Cool Stradamus, Coach <laughs> Mims killing uh, Steeler players. This has been a ball. It's been fantastic. Steeler fans, thank you for hopping on. If you want to subscribe to the show, go to YouTube and do a search for the new standard, Lance Williams or Neil Kong. Neil Kulong, excuse me, subscribe to the show. Hit the like button. We're on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the show. And we're going to do the research about the Super Chat for you, Felicia, next week. Thank you guys for tuning in and so long. And have a great upcoming week.